chapter 2, please. Acts 2. Praise God. All right, Acts 2, we're going to begin reading at verse 36 through verse 41. Hallelujah. Everybody blessed this morning? All right, good. Acts 2, verse 36 through 41. Let's read that together. Ready, read. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of, the Lord, of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. All right, verse 40 again says, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Today I want to talk just using those two words, be saved. Everybody say, be saved. Be saved. Father God, thank you today for your word. Thank you for each person who's gathered here in this place. I pray, Father, that each of us would have hearing ears, seeing eyes, and receiving hearts, God, so that your word will penetrate our heart and produce what you sent it to produce today. I pray that, God, you'd, you'd anoint me, anoint me afresh to minister your word, Father, with, 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 with boldness, Father, with an anointing, with, with a freshness, oh God. I pray that revelation would flow freely in this place and that, God, as it flows, your people each and every one of us, our lives will be impacted and blessed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Be saved. Be saved. Glory to God. Now, we've been talking about how uh, there's a battle for the souls of men, right? Yes. And um, everything in our society is a battlefield. How many of y'all agree with that? Yes. Uh, our modern education system. It's, it's designed, I'm not picking on teachers, I thank God we have wonderful, wonderful, anointed, Holy Ghost filled teachers here. But our, our uh, education system is designed to give people a secular worldview. So it's to teach God out of, of people. That's why parents, you have to make sure you invest time with your children. Uh, reinforcing God, <laughs> reinforcing the word of God. If you look at our, uh, all the arts and entertainment, it's all about uh, putting God out. They, they make a mockery out of God, out of Christians. Isn't that right? If you look at our, even our, um, our government, <laughs> our government today with this very, uh, quote-unquote, progressive ideas, are liberal ideas, and they are designed to make God uh, obsolete. And all this is going on, and it's, it's really just the fact that, that it's a battle for souls of men. And so as we're in this society, 
we've got to recognize we're in a battle and recognize we, we need to be saved from this battle. Are y'all hearing me? God said, we, we saw this, get this on the screen, Ezekiel 18, verse 4. We looked at this scripture here uh, last couple weeks. And it says uh, these important words here. All souls are mine. Y'all got that? So all souls are God's, but again, there's this battle going on. And, and everything is about this society is trying to uh, pull souls, the souls of people, into utter darkness. Satan knows if he can win this battlefield of our minds, if he can win the battle of souls, he populates hell. Because he doesn't want to be there by himself. He knows that hell was made for him. He knows hell was made for him and all his fallen angels. But he's trying to get back at God for putting them out. And, and, and trying to get back at us for taking this place. <laughs> so he's trying to get people into hell. But we're not going there, right? Now, so we can't go along with this world. That's, that's why the Bible says in Romans 12, too, uh, Paul said this. He admonished us. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Right? He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does conform mean? He means don't be molded into this world. Y'all hear me, everybody. I need everybody listening, including every child. Don't be molded into this world. Don't be conformed. Don't fit in. And everything about this world is trying to get everybody to fit in with the world. Yet if you fit in the world, you begin to fit out with God. The, your Bible says, ladies and gentlemen, that friendship with this world is enmity, hatred, or war with God. And everybody's trying to be a friend of the world. I love the world. The Bible says don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world. This world is wicked. This world is perverted. This world is in trouble. And we're not supposed to be loving the world. Trying to get along and fit in with the world? Glory to God. We got to get away from that. Get this scripture on the screen for me, please. Ephesians 4. We're going to look at Ephesians 4, verse 17 through verse 24. But I want to look at it in the Message Bible. Ephesians 4, verse 17 through 24. Glory to God. I want everybody reading this here. All right? He says, and so I insist. This is the same Paul who, just, who wrote Romans 12 too. I just talked about that. He says, and so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. Right? So don't go along with the crowd. In other words, it ought to be our mindset that whatever the world's doing, we do exactly opposite. Whatever the world likes, whatever the world's pinning, whatever the world's following, whatever the world's a fan of, we ought to be the exact opposite. Anything the world gets excited about, we ought to just run away from it. Glory to God. That's, that's heavy right there. He calls them the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. You're, when you're reading the King James, the New King James, James talks about those who walk in the futility of their minds. In other words, they think a certain way, but it's mindless. It is senseless. All right, verse 18. Let's keep going here. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. That's heavy, isn't it? Let's keep going here. They can't think straight anymore. This is describing the world. 
that we all messing around with. When I say we all, I mean y'all. Because I'm not messing around with the world. I don't love this world. I don't love the things that are in this world. I don't want any parts of this world. I'm, I'm turned off by the world. All their ideas, all their philosophy, all their ways of thinking, it doesn't attract me whatsoever. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession. Isn't that right? Addicted to every sort. Anything goes out there in the world. Addicted to it. Verse, verse 20. But that's no life for you. You learn Christ. Tell your neighbor, that's no life for you. No, not if you've learned Christ. You're not about that life out there. Verse 21, come on. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, being Christ, been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Verse 22, since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance, everything, and I do mean connected with that old way of life, has to go. Glory to God. Everything. Everything about that old life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life. Verse 23, a life renewed from the inside. Verse 24, and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. That's good. That's Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, Message Bible. All right? So we're not going along with that. We're going along with the fact that God wants his family back. Right? We're serving God, and we're out here to help others learn how to serve God. Remember we went to that last week, talked about how uh, uh, Moses was in, there in Egypt, went to Egypt, right? And the Bible said that people, they were there, the, the, the uh, Israelites, they were there, they're God's people, but they were serving Pharaoh. Remember I told you Pharaoh represents Satan. Egypt represents the world. Right? Moses is coming representing Jesus Christ. Got it? Okay? So the children of Israel, God's people, they are there in Egypt, but they're serving Pharaoh. And God gives Moses a message every time you go to Pharaoh to say these words. Moses, tell Pharaoh, I said, let my people go that they may serve me. So although they were serving Pharaoh, God says, they're my people. But he said, you, got, you have to let them go that they may serve me. Implication is, although they're my people, they can't serve me while they're serving Pharaoh. Or they can't serve God while they're serving the devil. So when we read in uh, Ezekiel 18, verse 4, where it says, all souls are mine, that means every person on this planet, they, their souls belong to God. But they're serving, many, most people on this planet are serving the devil. They're trapped. I've been telling y'all that, right? They're trapped, but you and I have been anointed. You and I have been sent just like Moses to bring them out. Y'all got it? All right, now, let's look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18 one more time. Luke 4, 18 one more time here. Because people, when they're trapped in darkness, they're serving the enemy, they can't just do right. Right? Y'all understand that? Does everybody here understand that? You understand people can't just do right. 
They can't. We want them to, but they can't. Glory to God. If they're trapped, first of all, with an old nature, they don't have a nature that does right. You understand that? Dogs don't have a nature uh, to meow. If you have a dog and your dog meows, you got a problem on your hands. You need to call somebody. Don't call me. You need to call somebody. Because your, your dog's got a problem. Because dogs is not in their nature to meow. So people, if they're in sin, it's not in their nature to do right. And they think they're free. Isn't that right? Isn't that what is most of the world? People in the world, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to get saved because I like my freedom. You're not free. You're, you're trapped. You are more bound than anybody you could ever imagine. You're addicted. You're trapped. But you and I have been anointed to get people out of the trap. Glory to God. We have an anointing to get people out of the trap. Y'all know what the traps are, right? We have an anointing to get people out of the trap. In Luke 4.18, we see this here, uh, this overthrowing issue we've been talking about here. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Keep going for me. Mm-hmm. That's good. Y'all went to verse 19. Wonderful. <laughs> but verse 18, let's go back to verse 18. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now this is talking about Jesus Christ, right? He's talking about himself, but we're included in this, right? The same anointing. To preach the gospel to the poor, to heal bro the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. This is setting people free, right? And uh, it says, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty to free those who are oppressed. And so the, in the world, they are oppressed. They are bound. They are captives. But you and I, again, have been anointed to get them out. How many of y'all agree with that? We're anointed to get them out. Glory to God. So we've been talking about here that this is this issue of people being overthrown. Right? And that now it's time for Satan to be overthrown. Because when you see this verse here, you see everything overturning for people. You see everything turning around. And we have, the, we have been given the authority by God to overthrow everything the devil's been doing in people's lives. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, I just want to show you something here. We, we, we looked at this word, hafeka. You remember that? Uh, the Hebrew word, hafeka, it's a 2018th word in the Hebrew language. 2018, hafeka, which means overturning or overthrow. I was just interested when I saw that, that the 2018th word, you know this is 2018, right? The 2018th word was overthrow or overturning. And it's interesting how much we're seeing that happening in our society today. Everything's being overthrown. All of man's systems are being overthrown. All of man's ideas are being overthrown. All of man's wisdom is being overthrown. <laughs> I, I've been talking to y'all last couple weeks about everybody's scared about the flu. Well, I just saw something yesterday that said, well, they realize one of the things that's going around that's killing people is not the flu. It looks like the flu, but it's actually not the flu. They're like, we've been misdiagnosing it. Yeah, because you're stupid. 
It's man's wisdom. You're licensed to practice medicine. You're just practicing. I'll come on this side. You're licensed to practice. You're just practicing. But God is perfect. He doesn't, he doesn't have to practice medicine. <laughs> God knows everything. And he can fix it. So this is just amazing what's happening here in 2018. All these things are going on. Now, let me just want to share. This is funny. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not... I'm not a you know, numbers guy. I just thought this was interesting that, you know, 2018, hafeka means overturning and overthrow. And I didn't know that when God gave me this message about overthrowing. I didn't know that. That came later. Now, this is something else that was interesting. In, in my household, um, one, one of our ways of entertaining ourselves is we like to play Scrabble. Amen. We're not we're not big into the movies as you know the movie movies. You know we like dub movies and stuff like that. You know our house would probably be boring to most of y'all, but we're all saved. And we don't have any drama and any mess. So anyway. So we like to play Scrabble. I think that's good to play Scrabble. I think parents, you ought to play a lot more games with your kids. Hey Amen. Don't let them sit on those dumb tablets all the time. On their devices, yeah. Interact with your kids. Interact with your kids. See, what happens is we let them turn 12 and we stop interacting. I'm going to come over here. It's safe. We let them turn 12 and we stop interacting. Because, you know, because now they can make their own sandwich. Now they can pick their own clothes out. Now, now they can put deodorant on themselves. And so now you stop interacting because you think they got it. They ain't got it. They can be 25 and they ain't got it. Now, I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to say something. This is not coming from inside of me. This came from outside of me. Somebody over in this area is saying this. <laughs> that the problem with parents is now they're lazy. <laughs> now, I just, I'm just, that didn't come from me. I'm just saying. You can't be lazy. You can't, you can't stop parenting your children. So anyway, so we play Scrabble. So that's an interesting thing going on in our house. So one, my wife and I were laying in bed the other night, and she was online. She, my wife is this artist, and she does all these artistic things. And she was laying, laying in bed next to me. She's on her phone, and she's looking at all these um, this jewelry pieces that you can make with Scrabble pieces. They, you, know, they, you know, you can spell your name with Scrabble pieces and all that kind of stuff. And I'm laying next to her. All of a sudden, the thought comes to me, I, you know, all, when you... Y'all know what Scrabble is? Yes. You know, each Scrabble piece, letter, has a point value. Right. You know, you try to get double word, triple word. Yeah. You're going to try to get 50 points. And so as I'm laying next to her, all of a sudden the thought came to my mind. I said, I wonder how many points the word overthrow is worth. I don't know why I'm just sitting there. I said, I wonder how many points the word overthrow is worth. So I looked it up. Overthrow. 
1, 5, 6, 7, 8, 12, 13, 14, 18. Some of y'all still counting. Okay, one plus four is five. Okay, hold on. Don't forget the five. Plus one is six. Six plus one is seven. Plus one is eight. Plus four is twelve. Plus one is thirteen. Plus one is fourteen. Plus four is eighteen. Now, I'm not trying to make some doctrine out of this. I'm not trying to make some theological discovery like, oh, my God, I'm going to go worldwide preaching, overthrow Scrabble theology and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that. All I thought was, well, it's just interesting. Some of you millennial kind of people, y'all play a game called Words with Friends online. You look up Words with Friends, use the word scrap, uh, overthrow, it's 18 points. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. That, it, doesn't, it doesn't help my point. It doesn't help my message whatsoever. It's just, it's just interesting. Because I've been showing you here that this is the time of overthrowing. I gave you that word hafeka. I showed you that in the Bible, he, in uh, Genesis 19:29. Look on the screen, please. Gen Genesis 19:29. It's about Lot. He's there in in uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah, and God is about to overthrow Sodom and Gomorrah. So this is the first place we see this word overthrow here, uh, the word hafeka. And it says it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the hafeka. Okay, when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. So here's what happens now. So God is going to overthrow the city, but he saves Lot out of it. Now remember, I'm preaching today about be saved. So he saves Lot out of it. And so God wants to save us out of this overthrow that's happening right here. Look at uh, Proverbs 12, verse 7. Proverbs 12, verse 7. See, there's, Pastor Kim said it earlier, when people talk about, you know, bad things happen to everybody and all that kind of stuff, that's not true. See, there's a, there's a, a, a mark, there's a line of delineation between us and the wicked. There's a difference between us and the wicked. When I say us, I mean us, the righteous, the upright. God's people and the wicked, we are not supposed to experience the same sorts of events in our lives. It says here, Proverbs 12, verse 7. Can y'all read it? The wicked are overthrown. Hafet. And are no more. But the house of the righteous, come on now, will stand. In other words, even, all right, there's a scripture the Bible gives us. Jesus tells a parable. He says there was uh, two men who built a house. He said one man built a house on the sand. He said, he said I, I liken these people to those who, who hear my sayings and don't do them. It's like the man who builds his house on the sand, and when, when, the, when the rains come and the winds blow and the waves beat against the house, that house falls. But he said, the man who hears my sayings and does them, I liken him to a man who builds his house upon the rock. And the same winds and the same rain and, and the same waves come, but his house stands. In other words, you and I can be in the, in the midst of the same storm or the same adversity as the world, but if we are hearing God's sayings and doing them, we will stand in the midst of it all. We'll be saved from what goes on in this wicked world. You and I don't have to 
experience what goes on in this world. I got to correct a lot of theology. People like to say, well, God, well, you know, the Bible says God reigns on the just as well as the unjust. It does say that. You're right. It does say he reigns on the just as well as the unjust. But reign is not evil. Read it in context. Read it as the word said. Reign is good. Your Bible says by reign, God confirms his, his inheritance. Reign is never bad. And anywhere in the Bible, reign is never bad. So, yes, God reigns. In other words, God is good to the just and he's good to the unjust. So let's go back here. Proverbs 12, verse 7. Proverbs 12, verse 7. Proverbs 12, verse 7. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous. Come on. We'll stand. All right. Now let's get to the meat of this here. So how? Because we know everything is being overthrown. Is that right? I mean, can you with your own natural eye, you don't need to be spiritually astute. With your natural eye, you can look around. You can tell that it's a mess out there. Everything going down but the word of God. <laughs> we used to sing that back in my old church. So how do you, how do I avoid being overthrown with the wicked? It's two words. Be saved. Be saved. Because it's happening. Lot. God saved Lot out. Glory to God. And we need to be saved. Well, I'm already saved. I understand you're, you're born again. I'm talking about being saved, being delivered. Glory to God. Let's look at this, my main text here in Acts 2. Acts 2. So how do I avoid being overthrown with, along with the world? I got to get on the Lord's side. I got to be saved. In Acts 2, <clears throat> something extraordinary happens. Uh, Jesus Christ in Acts 1 had uh, reappeared to his disciples. You remember that? Yes. Remember Jesus Christ walked the earth. He died. Didn't he die? Yes. And he died till he was satisfied. And then he, on the third day morning, early on the third day morning, he got it with all power in his hand. Yes. Right? And the Bible says he walked around for many days uh, revealing himself. And, and gave these infallible proofs that he was alive and showed himself alive to many people. And then in Acts chapter 1, it goes on to say that uh, he ascended back to the Father. Okay, but he told his disciples, he says, I want you guys to wait in Jerusalem, tarry there until you be endued with power from on high. Okay, so then they do that. They, they start this fasting time and prayer time, spend 10 days in the upper room waiting. Acts chapter 2, something big happens. Look at Acts chapter 2. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Holy Ghost floods the earth. All right? What happens? Jesus Christ's ministry is over. He ascends to the Father, the Holy Ghost descends, and now the Holy Ghost ministry begins. Y'all with me so far? Okay. Now what happens? They go out, uh, they, they go out there, 120 people now, plus they all get filled with the Holy Ghost. They're speaking in tongues. They're staggering like they're drunk men. They're laughing. They're, they're full of the joy of the Holy Ghost, right? 
and all these people were gathered around, around the town uh, coming in because it was Pentecost time. It was a feast of celebration. So people are gathered together, and they start hearing what's going on. They say, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all are drunk. And Peter says, we're not drunk as you suppose. In other words, yeah, we're drunk, just not the way you think. <laughs> it, we, it's only the third, third hour of the day. We ain't been drinking no wine. This is the new one Jesus Christ prophesied about, the new one that was coming, right? So then Peter begins to preach this message. Look down at verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of, Ju of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. So now Peter begins to preach this message. He preaches this message, and we go from 14 all the way through to where we arrive in verse 36. Are you there? Okay, you can read it in your own time. I just want to give you a summary of where we were, all right? Verse 36. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He said, I want all Israel, and we're going to say, we want all of St. Petersburg, we want all of Bay Area, we want all the world to know that God has made this Jesus. Why did he say this Jesus? Because Jesus Christ wasn't, Jesus wasn't an exclusive name. A lot of people named Jesus in that day. It was a common name like John. So he has, has to point out that God has made this, this particular one. This is the one y'all crucified, this one. God has made him both Lord and Christ. This is important, ladies and gentlemen, because we need to know that there is only one Jesus who is Lord and Christ. And that that Lord and Christ is the only way to the Father. You see what's happened in today, in today's perverse generation, there are people with all sorts of crazy doctrine that are telling people on, all on the TV, all, all on YouTube, that there are many ways to get to God. But there are not many ways to get to God. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus Christ said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth. And the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. So you can't go through Buddha, and you can't go through Muhammad, and you can't go through all, all the Hindu gods, and you can't go through Hare Krishna, and you can't go through all the other phony, phony fake people that Oprah wants to tell us about. There are not many ways to God, ladies and gentlemen. There's only one way to God. There's only one way to, to the Father, and it is this Jesus. Somebody say, this Jesus. You got to know that. You see, because that's being presented to us and to our children. Oh, y'all not saying anything to me. So it says, this Jesus. This Jesus. Give me 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 5 and 6. It says, for even if there are, look at this, for even if there are so-called gods. This is Paul talking. Even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords. In other words, people making all kinds of gods and lords out there. 
Verse 6, yet for us, come on, there is one God, the Father of whom are, come on, all things and we for him. And one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we live. Are y'all okay with this? Yes, I, I got to stress this point here because I'm trying to show you this morning how to be saved. <laughs> See, people think they can be saved all kind of ways. But there's only one way to be saved. Can y'all just tolerate this this morning? I know some of y'all got it together already, but I just want to help y'all here. Give me 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. Says, Paul says here, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. How many, how many gods? One. How many mediators? One. one. And who is he? Christ Jesus. What's a mediator? A mediator is a go-between who represents both sides. You understand that? So you can have an advocate, but an advocate represents you. Your attorney only represents you. Your counselor only represents you, but a mediator represents both sides, brings both parties together. So there's only one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. There's no other God who became a man so that men could become like God. There's one, are y'all seeing this here? So right now there's a man in heaven. Praise the Lord. All right, now, I, I said all that because I'm trying to stress this fact that we looked at here in verse, in Acts 2.36. So you can know that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Christ meaning the Messiah, meaning the Savior. So Jesus Christ is the Savior. Now remember, he's going to say in a few minutes here, be saved. So it's important for you to understand that ahead of time, there's only one Savior. Tell your neighbor, there's only one Savior. There's only one way to God. is Jesus Christ. Now verse 37 says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So when they heard this, in other words, they heard this whole message, and then they get to this part here where it says uh, uh, that the one that you crucified is Lord and Christ. That cut them. Matter of fact, give me the message translation on this same verse here. I like the way the message puts it. Cut to the quick. Y'all ever heard that phrase? See, y'all think cut to the quick meat. I'm going to cut you to the white meat. <laughs> Go back to New King James here. But it says they, they, they're cut to the quick. In other words, cut to the heart. In other words, it really penetrated. It really, oh. You mean we crucified our Savior? And yet your Bible says, ladies and gentlemen, that if you know Christ, walk with Christ, and try to continue in sin, you crucify him afresh. Did y'all hear what I said? In other words, you go around saying, I'm saved, but you keep walking and living your own way, 
Your Bible says you are, you are crucifying him afresh. In other words, it should cut us to the heart every time. Oh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Has that ever happened to you in your life that you walk with God but you mess up and oh, oh my. You get cut to the heart. See, if, if, you can, if you can say you're saved and mess up and nothing ever, you don't get cut to the heart, you're not saved. But God wants you to be saved. God wants you to be saved. Y'all got it? All right, now, let's keep going. Acts 2, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit or the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, he's telling us what to do. Now, give me that same verse, 38. Now, if anybody here, you're apostolic. If you, if you came out of the apostolic faith, denomination, this is your scripture. This is your scripture. Or you're even Church of Christ. This is your scripture right here. Am I right about it? They, they, have, they put Acts 238 on their license plate. On their T-shirts, they hashtag Acts 238. Boy, that's they one right there, boy. Jesus only? All right, give me that in the Amplified Bible. Let's look at it. And Peter answered them, repent. Now watch what repent means. Change your views and purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it. So people who aren't saved, they've been rejecting the will of God. That's what it means. They've been rejecting the will of God. So he says to repent means to change your views, and we can say, and then purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness and of forgiveness of and release from. That's important. Forgiveness of and release from. That's why it's important for us to see that. Forgiveness of and release from. Why would he say release from? Because sins trap people. Oh my gosh. Release from your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Alright? Y'all getting this so far? I know this is boring to all y'all saved people, but I just want to, I'm, I'm not really preaching for y'all. I'm preaching to you. I'm giving you tools to take out there with you. But somebody in this room, you're not saved. Somebody in this room, you've been in church your whole life. You might have been in this church your whole life, but you're not saved yet. And you think just because you're in church, you got a ticket to heaven. That's, that's not how it works. <laughs> so you have to repent and let then be baptized and then you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You got it? Look at what I like this. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit this, but I'm going to come back to this next Sunday. For the promise is to you and to your children. So the Holy Ghost is a promise. And it's a promise offered to you and to your children. And to all who are afar off. 
door when God saved you, you were far off. Come on now, you weren't, you weren't standing at the door just waiting to get in. No, you were way out there. Some of y'all were way out there when God saved you. Glory to God. I was out there. You know, you know the interesting thing about me is that I was out there but in there. Let me, let me explain. Some of y'all, maybe I, could, I should switch the statement. I was in there but out there. What do you mean, Pastor? I was in the church. Okay. Y'all, are you getting it? I was in the church. This the dance. I was in the church. My father was the pastor. My mother was the first lady, evangelist, missionary, woman of God. Pastor in two churches. I was in church on Sunday morning by 9.30. 9.45 we had Sunday school. I was in church all day to about 3 o'clock. We went home, got a good meal, tried to get a quick nap. We're back at 6 o'clock for YPWW. All the way to 10 o'clock evangelistic service every Sunday night. I was, we had Monday night off, praise God. Tuesday night, I was back in church for Bible study. What, or what, 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 what we call, yeah, it was our, it was our Bible, Bible band, we call it. That's what we call it, Bible band. And that was at the church here. But I told you my pastor, had my dad at two churches. So Wednesday night, we were over in Tampa in church. For the same thing. Thursday night, we were back here in church. For midweek evangelistic service. And then Friday, we were back in Tampa. For the same thing, midweek evangelistic service. And then Saturday, I was in Sunshine Band, the church of God in Christ. We do the best we can to help our fellow man. We are the happy Sunshine Band. Some of y'all Sunshine Band kids here. I learned a code of training you see Christ is the answer. Acts 4 and 12. Oh, occupy till I come. Luke 19, 13. G. Grow in grace. 2 Peter 3.18. I and all that is knowledge from 2 Peter 3, 3, 6. C. Cleave that which is good. Romans 12, 9. Indoctrinated. But out there. Y'all didn't hear what I'm saying. Had I pledge, I pledge myself as devotion and loyalty to the principles of doctrines, the culture of faith. I mean, we we had it all. My rest is this. We, boy, and as far as everybody knew, boy, he's just a good boy. Teenager, he just a he's a good young man. You you gonna be a preacher? They didn't know I was already laying hands. Well, come on now, see y'all. Come on now. I was already laying hands, but I wasn't trying to get nobody saved. I wasn't laying hands to heal, TJ. Whoa. I wasn't. That wasn't what I was doing. I wasn't. That's not what I was doing. No, no, no. No. <laughs> I was looking for women who were fasting. <laughs> Not without the ing. I don't want the ing. I just wanted to fast. <laughs> I'm just. What I'm saying, I was in there, but I was out there. 
mean the choir? The choir? That was like playground for Am I talking right? Gershom, Gershom grew up. We, we were in the same church. It's all right, Bashara. We saved now. We're saved now. But back in the day. His mama, his mama's still on this planet. Holy Ghost filled woman of God. Girls and mama used to drag him around the church, dancing and shouting. I mean, in other words, they raised us to serve God. That's how they were, they were teaching us. And that's how we presented ourselves in front of them. I'm talking to somebody here. Because you can be in church and not be saved. Thank you, Lord. Now, that's important I share that with you, because I'll come back to that in a minute. So he says here, <laughs> glory to God. Let me just ask, am I the only one or somebody else who's like that too? Angie, you too? All right, good. I'm going to make sure I wasn't the only one. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of tongues. A lot of tongues. Oh, yeah, tongue. you're right about that. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of tongues. I had tongues down. That wasn't, that wasn't his shoe. <laughs> Other tongues, that's right. <laughs> tongues of angels. Testifying to you. I, I changed high schools for women. I, I did. I did. I, I started. I used to go to St. B. High School, and uh, you know, by the time I start smelling myself, I said I got to go to Lakewood. Because I heard. Oh, am I right about it, Gershom? Gershom? I heard Lakewood had a special class. My, my, my. Hollywood High. Glory to God. All right, now. Okay. I'm testifying. Now, I'm going to show you why that's important in a minute. And what, what verse I leave off on? Verse 39. Yeah, okay, I'm showing you. He says, With, for the promises to you and to your children, to all who are far off, I was talking about being afar off. Close. I was in the house, but afar off. That's what that point I'm making to you. In but out. And, and you don't want to be in but out. I mean, when I look back 
over my life. And I, I have to thank God, wow, wow, because boy, oh, Lord, wow. God, thank you, because, I, that, no, what? God. Because there were many that started out with me. I ain't here no more. Okay. So the promise is to you. Now, I want to show you something here. In verse 40 then. Because what I'm doing is, I'm doing verse 40. Because verse 40 says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them. See, I've heard preachers preach this, and even I've preached before, that Peter preached this real quick sermon right here, and 3,000 souls got saved. But that's not, it wasn't really a quick sermon, because you read verse 40, it says, and with many other words. I think the, uh, give me the new living. I think the new living might say a little different. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. A long time. So it wasn't some little quickie message here. Five minutes, wham, bam, 3,000 souls get saved. It wasn't that. He, he preached. He, he, that's what I want to get to. He made a compelling argument based on not only had he preached history, but he preached his story. You look at it from verse 14 through, through verse, verse 36. He preached history. He preached, he preached Christ's story. But then he switched from Christ's story to his story. That's what it means. It says he testified. That's what I was just sitting there doing to y'all here a minute ago. Anybody here have a testimony? Yourself of what God has done in your life. You remember how you used to be, how you used to act, where you used to go. I used to be something. I used to do this. I used to do that. See, when you're trying to get people saved, you, you can tell them about Christ's story. And that is to sow the seed of the word. That's very important. But what becomes compelling? Because it says he testified and exhorted. That word exhorted literally means to urge or to compel. So he didn't, he didn't urge or compel until he testified. You may not know the whole history of Israel and how Jesus Christ came. You may not know all the doctrine. You may, you may not know the Romans' role, but you know your role. You know your role. You know where God brought you from. You know what God did in your life. You know what you used to be. You know what you used to do. And you know that since Jesus Christ came, now how you are now, you know that. Oh, it's important to know Christ's story. It's important to know all these, these, these Bible scriptures. This, I'm, not, I'm not taking away from that. But it just says here, and with many other words, he testified. So you have a testimony. You just got to tell it. Tell your neighbor, you got to tell it. <laughs> you got to tell what God has done for you. In Mark 5, Jesus, there, Jesus met, met a man, uh, the Bible calls him the maniac of Gadara. And uh, he, he was full of demons. He lived out there in the, in the tombs. He cut himself. He tried to kill himself just all the time. He was, he, was a, he was a mess on top of a mess on top of a mess. 
he met Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ delivered him, and then he wanted to go with Jesus Christ. He wanted to, hey, let me go with you. Jesus said, no, no, you stay here. He said, go back and tell all your friends the great things the Lord has done for you. Did you catch that? This is the reason, ladies and gentlemen, why, I mean, how many of y'all, when you first got saved, I mean, really, how many of y'all got, you got sure enough saved, tell the truth. Okay, when you sure enough got saved, you were on such a high, you felt like, man, I just want, I just want to go to heaven now. Oh, I just want to go to heaven now. I'm with God. I want to be with. But he, he, didn't, he didn't save you and take you to heaven. He saved you and left you here. So you could go and tell your friends the great things the Lord has done for you. So then when you understand that, now you get excited. I want to just go tell everybody. I want to tell everybody the Lord is mad. I got saved. I got saved, man. Man, and the Lord just, I mean, I sleep different now. I mean, I go to work different. Everything's happy. I mean, wow. You're testifying. And when you testify now, you have this way to exhort or compel or urge people to do something. You got it? All right, now, so let's keep going here. Verse 40. And with many other words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them saying, here's what he said, be saved from this perverse generation. Again, three parts to Peter's message here. Preaching, testifying, and exhortation. That's three things you want to make sure you do with people, is you preach, you talk about Jesus, testify, talk about you, and exhort, talk about them. Did y'all catch that? Did you catch that? You preach, you talk about Jesus, testify, you talk about you, exhort, talk about them. You need to be saved. You need to come out. You have to do it now. See, this, this, is, this is a formula right here that Peter just gave us by the Holy Ghost. Talk about him, talk about you, talk about them. Got it? All right, now, do me a favor, please. Uh-huh. I want to read, and I'll come back to that here. Oh, I got five minutes. Okay. Give me Acts 2.40 from the message translation, please. Acts 2.40, message. You got it? Okay. He went on in this vein for a long time. Watch this. Urging them over and over, get out while you can get out of this sick and stupid culture. I'm about to show you something here. Get out of this sick, everybody say sick, sick. and stupid, say stupid, stupid. Culture. culture. Come on, now tell the truth. Is this culture sick and stupid? Yes. And he, he's urging them, get out while you can. Now, is he telling them to die and go to heaven? No. No. He's saying come out of the culture. You and I, according to Jesus Christ in John 17, can be in this world but not of this world. He doesn't need us to leave. He needs us to stay here. Glory to God. What would happen if if, if freed slaves, this Black History Month, what would happen if freed slaves had, had all just left and gone to the north and never and never come back to get anybody else. There would still be slaves trapped. But the Underground Railroad and all the freedom fighters, everything was, okay, we, we escaped, but we're not going to 
forget those who are still. Got it? So God doesn't save you and just snatch you to heaven. He saves you and leaves you here so you can get other people. Go back. Go back and get some more. So he says, I want you to get out while you can. Get out of this sick and stupid. I think that's a pretty accurate description of this culture. Sick and stupid. <laughs> Let's look at the same verse here in the contemporary English version. The CEV. The CEV. Peter told them many other things as well. Then he said, I beg you. Now watch what he says here. To save yourselves from what will happen to these evil people. All right, now we got a different look here. So not just save yourselves from this sick and stupid culture, but save yourselves from what will happen. So something's going to happen. Right? Right? Well, what's going to happen? Remember, we read Proverbs 12, verse 7. The house of the wicked will be overthrown. Right? The wicked are overthrown. So there's an overthrowing going on. It's happening. And he's telling us here to get out of that. Save yourselves from what's about to happen in that, in that mess there. Okay? Can I keep going? Give me a few more minutes here. Okay? Now, <clears throat> go back to Acts 2, verse 40 in the King James, or New King James, rather. Notice again, he says, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved. Y'all know that word, saved, sozo. Be saved from this. All right, thank you. I'll take it right now. Rescue from danger or destruction. So be saved or delivered from danger or destruction of this perverse generation. So this generation is perverted is, or perverse, we could say, right? Now, that word perverse, I thought, was very interesting. In the Greek, is G4646. It's the Greek word scolios. Where we get our English word scoliosis from. How many of y'all ever heard of scoliosis? How many of y'all understand what scoliosis is? You've seen people with scoliosis, praise God. They, they have their spines are curved. They don't have the ability uh, to stand straight, right? Scoliosis causes breathing problems. It can cause digestion, uh, digestive problems. It can cause heart problems because there's no, there's no proper alignment. That's why, that's why people go to the chiropractor because they want to get their, their, their backbone, their, their spine in proper alignment. But when there's scoliosis, there's no, there's no proper alignment. I mean, it, there, there can be severe. In fact, it, is, it is, has been uh, made a theory by some theologians that the woman in Luke uh, 16, remember that woman who had that, who's bowled over, could in no way bend her, uh, stand, stand up, that she had a severe form of scoliosis. Y'all remember that? She had a severe form of scoliosis. The Bible says she could in no way raise herself up. But Jesus came along to her and said, woman, thou art loosed. He said she had been bound how long? Y'all don't forget that? She had been bound how long? 18 years of scoliosis. <laughs> Jesus comes along in one second. 
and overthrows what the devil had done. The devil had twisted her life. Give me this, okay, that word scolios, it, it literally means crooked, curved. All right, we know that. Metaphorically means perverse, wicked, unfair. Does this sound like our, our society? Unfair, surly, which means unfriendly. People unfriendly today? Forward or contrary? So he says, be saved from this scoliosis generation. Professionally, you say scoliotic, scoliotic generation. Okay? So that's the generation we live in. And so notice, Peter says, be saved from it. Be delivered from the danger and destruction of living in a scoliotic generation, a perverted generation. Let me describe it for you, this generation. Give me 2 Timothy 3. I'm almost done. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 5, new living. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, new living. This is the generation we live in today. Can y'all read with, with me? Verse 1, keep uh, read. We're going to go through uh, 1 through 5. Ready, go. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Verse 2, for people will love and they will be scoffing, disobedient, and they will consider nothing sacred. You know, can I, can I tell you something? We, uh, this is just, just funny, but it's sad. The other day, we had a couple weeks ago uh, some new uh, sod laid out here in, in the church. And uh, overnight, while we had a couple pallets of sod here, uh, they had about a, maybe about five layers of sod out there on one of the pallets deep. And they came here the next morning, and it was gone. Somebody had stolen the church's sod. So, so the guy who was installing, he was, he was just baffled. He was like, I can't believe somebody stole sod from the church. I said, man, I can one-up you on that. I said, I remember a, year, a few years ago, we had planted some brand-new fresh crotons all through the yard. Fret plant, they in the ground planted. We came here one morning for work. They're all gone. People had snatched our crotons out of the ground. Are you at the church? Yes, at the church. They considered nothing sacred. But when I was growing up, when I was growing up, You could be cussing, smoking, and drinking. But when you came past the church, you... It, it was such, such a reverence back in that day. On my street where I live, people knew my father was a pastor. We were a church family. People wouldn't smoke, drink, or cuss in front of my house. It wasn't even a church, but people had still had a, a, a reverence. I remember we, we used to be on the school bus on our way to school every day, and we, and we, we passed by a graveyard. Am I right about that? Now you gotta have you had to have Mr. Franklin say, "Sit down, get on the bus, sit down, and shut up." I mean, because kids, <laughs> y'all knew Mr. Franklin, didn't you? <laughs> But now, they consider nothing sacred. All right, I, I didn't mean to stop. Verse 3, verse 3. 
They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have. They will be cruel. Cruel. How could a mom and dad chain 13 children for years? Your own children. Fail to nourish your own children. People are without natural affection. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. Verse 4, they will betray their friends, y'all. Y'all better watch out. That's my friend, right. Right, Jesus is my friend. They'll be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Verse 5, they will act, but... from people like that. Oh, y'all don't want to read that again? Stay away from people like that. That's my friend. Stay away from people like that. That's my road, dog. We went to school together. Stay away from people like that. That's my cousin. Stay away from people like that. He's talking about being saved from a untoward or perverse or a scoliotic generation. All right, let me finish here. So we need to be saved. Everybody say we need to be saved. Here's why. Because what happened in Noah's day, Jesus said, it's going to happen again in this day. They were eating and drinking and being merry. All of a sudden the rains began to come. And by the time it came upon them, when the, when the destruction came, it was too late. Noah and his family had been rescued and delivered out. In Lot's day, Jesus said this again. He said, what you saw in Lot's day in Sodom and Gomorrah is going to happen again, he said, in this generation. In fact, Jesus said, Jesus said that this generation is worse off than, Lot, than, than Sodom's generation. He even talked about the people of Nineveh will rise up and judge this generation. Because at least when Nineveh heard the word from Jonah to repent, the Bible says they fasted, they repented, and God said, all right, I'm not, not going to let the place be destroyed. Matter of fact, get on the screen. Get, get Jonah chapter 3. Jonah 3. Jonah 3. Watch this. Uh, Jonah 3 verse 1. Jonah 3 verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, verse 2, Arise. Go to Nineveh, go to St. Pete, go to Lakewood, go to, go to Gibbs, go to, go to Bartlett Park, go to wherever you live, go to your job. And preach to it the message that I tell you, verse 3, go to your family. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a big city, a three-day journey in extent, how long it was. He had to, I mean, it's three days to walk from one side of Nineveh to the other. Big city, verse 4. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Overthrown. Verse 5. Verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest. They believed God. In other words, he said, y'all better be saved because this is about to go down. Give me verse 10. Verse 10. Then God saw their works. 
that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. He didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't let it be overthrown. Why? They repented. And Jesus said, the same, he said the people of Nineveh from Jonah's day would rise up and judge this same generation. Because at least they repented. So Jesus, in other words, he said, look at what happened in Noah's day. Look at what happened in Lot's day. Look at what happened in Jonah's day. And he said, it's going to be the same thing in this generation. Pastor, are you preaching doom and gloom? No, I'm preaching hope. If you hear this word, that means you ain't got to go down with that mess. God loves you enough, he sets you up to hear this word. As a matter of fact, that shows how much God, now Nineveh was a wicked city. You read, you start from Genesis, I mean from uh, Jonah chapter 1, you see uh, Nineveh was a very wicked, wicked, perverted city like America is today. And yet God loved them enough to send a preacher down to preach the word and tell them to repent. Now that preacher didn't want to go. <laughs> I ain't going. Them old heathens from hell. Let them die. Let them go into hell. Burn that joker down. Don't call a fire department. Don't call nobody. And let it burn to the ground. That's what the preacher was saying. So the preacher got on a boat. Decided he's going to go somewhere else. I ain't going to preach nothing. I'm going on vacation. And people, we've, we've taught that God punished Jonah for what he did by sending this, this you know, had him thrown overboard. But it wasn't, it wasn't the, the evil or the wrong of Jonah. It was a love for Nineveh. No, Jonah, uh -uh, I can't let you go there. I, 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 I want to save these people. I want to save these people. So I'm not going to let you get away with just saying nothing. I'm just, I'm just going to mind my business. And that's the church. We just want, no, just mind your business. Not just, I, I, I don't want to say that. I want to I I get in people's business. No, no, no. God needs you to get in people's business because he wants to save them from the wrath that is to come. And so God, no, no, John, I'm not, John, I'm not going to let you go over where you're going. And when they throw you overboard, they're they trying to kill you. I throw you overboard, but I'm going to save you, not for your sake, but for Nineveh's sake. You hard-headed, but I love them. How many of y'all, we've been hard-headed before, tell the truth. We've been hard-headed. But God loves every sinner of every type, of every race, of every background, of every color. And God loves them so much. He keeping your butt alive. Because you got to tell them. You got to tell somebody. God wants to save them. So, here's the message. Acts 2, verse 40. Be saved. Be saved. How do I get saved? Get Romans 10, verse 9 on the screen, please. Romans 10, verse 9. Romans 10, verse 9. 
that if you confess, here's how you get saved, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. Did y'all catch that? Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made. Verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever will not be put to shame. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all. Come on. And last verse, verse 13. For whatever. That's, that's how you get saved. Now again, I want you to notice. I want you to place yourself in that arena where Peter was when the Bible says, with many of the words, he testified and exhorted them. Peter wasn't preaching this nice, you know, be born again. He's like, come on, man. Be saved from this mess. It's about to go down. I'm urging you. I'm compelling you to be saved. You don't want to go down with what's going down. And if nothing was going down, what I have over here on this life is so much better than what I had over that, that old life. I'm urging you to get on the inside of this. And that's today how I'm urging you. I'm urging every person in this room, whoever you are, maybe you're like me, in but out. In the church, but still living afar off. If that's you, I'm urging you to be saved. Maybe you're a person in this room, you've never been born again. Maybe a person, you, you, this is your first time being in church. You've hadn't, you never thought about it. You're aware. You can see what's happening. You know this is a wicked and perverse generation. You know this generation is crooked. You've had people mistreat you already. Maybe you're a young person. Even in your short life, you've already been disappointed. I can tell you something. You stay out there with that world, it only gets worse. You ain't seen nothing yet with disappointment. <laughs> That's why he says, be saved from this perverse generation. Don't, you don't have to go through what they go through out there. And it's, it's a mess. But through Jesus Christ, you can be saved from it all. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you today for the word that we have received. I thank you, Father. Lord, that you have made a way for us to be saved. Thank you, Father, that you made this Jesus, who they crucified, you made him both Lord and Christ. Jesus Christ even declared about himself, he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father except through him. Father, that he is our one mediator between you and us. He is the man, Christ Jesus. Thank you today, Lord, that if we come to you, we can be saved. God, it's clear to us the state of affairs, the state of this world. We recognize, based on what we just read in Paul's letter to Timothy, that these are the last days. We don't have to think real hard about that. We can see that 
It's cruel time, wicked time. People have no regard for anything sacred. That we're in a time, Father, where people are unholy, unloving, unforgiving. We're in a time where people, Father, our children are disobedient to parents. There's no, no question that we're in the last days. And your word says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Dangerous times shall come. So God, that means these are dangerous times. Father, I'm asking you by your spirit today to prick the heart of every person on the sound of my voice who does not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Savior. I, I pray especially for those who are like I was in the church, yet living like we're in the world. In the church, but afar off. That child who, well, their mama's saved, their daddy's saved, and that ought to be good enough, but Lord, we know it's not. When you said in your word in, in Ezekiel 18, 4, you said all souls are mine. You said the soul that sins are sure to die. You said the father won't die for the son's sins, and the son won't die for the father's sins. Everyone dies for his own sins. At that point, God, you made us all individual. It's an individual thing. So, Father, I pray, even now, that, God, you are working on and stirring the heart of somebody in this room today. That today they decide and they receive your invitation to be saved. That they would repent and turn from their way of thinking and instead of rejecting you, instead of rejecting your will, that today they would accept your will. I pray that this day will be the day of salvation for someone, for several people, from the sound of my voice. And I thank you, Father, and for those who are saved, that, Lord, that we would take the same model that Peter gave, that will preach Christ's story, We'll tell our story, and then we'll compel others to come to you. Thank you, Lord, for our model. My example today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet.